All right, good morning, City Light. How are we doing? Good? Okay, all right. Um, y'all, should, uh, y'all should pray for me. I feel like that last song just was like, I'm still pulling it together right now. I just, you know, what a phrase. You know, it was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. <laughs> I'm jacked up. I don't know why. I don't know. It's good news. It's good news. I haven't even started breathing yet. This is a mess. I knew it was going to be a mess. I knew it. I couldn't, couldn't pull it together. <clears throat> you know, if you want to open your Bible, that would be a good thing to do. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2. Go to me in verses 20 through 26. Uh, I just want to say, too, as well, uh, the whole reason of why we're here and doing what in the world we're doing uh, in this room is because of that line. It's because of that truth. So, if you don't know that, or haven't been radically changed by that, there's really nothing else for me to say. So, uh, as we jump into the Word and try to figure out what the Lord wants for us this morning, uh, keep that in mind. That's the good news of the Gospel that Jesus offers to you today if you haven't received it. The Father's love is very deep. All right. We're going to we're going to do this. Hey. Um <clears throat> you know when we were running our uh, prayer set on Thursday I feel like the more we do these Thursday night things, I don't know if you've been coming uh, and the more we learn to like sit in the presence of Jesus, just give him time, you know, to work. So not just like we have a million things to do or a set list to run through or sermons to preach. All those things are good. Uh, but we come and we just have time, you know. The Lord can do anything in that moment. We can shift. We can change. Uh, Thursday night was like, once again, it was one of those moments where I felt like the Lord was just uh, beginning to honor that, I guess, with a manifestation of his spirit, that, that he would take these truths, you know, that we know, that we hold dear, uh, hopefully many of us in the room, uh, and he would begin to drive them, you know, like deep within your heart. <clears throat> so when you hear something like that, You know, you're just undone. So I recommend that you come. I really feel like the Lord is working uh, and helping to take things that we might take for granted, truths that we might know, uh, and help us 
understand. Uh, Colossians 1.9 says that, uh, Paul prays that the Colossians would have spiritual wisdom and understanding to know the will of God. Uh, the staff could tell you I've been thinking about that for months. Uh, not just that it would know the will, that's what we would pray, that you would know the will of God, that you would just know it. And Paul prays that you would have spiritual wisdom and understanding, that there would be something spiritual about it, where there's this divine interaction between you and the living God, and he's revealing things to you in accordance with the scriptures that allow you to know what it is to walk in his will. That's very significant, and there's this step-by-step of the Holy Spirit that I'm still learning and growing in, uh, and the Lord is working and growing in, but anyways, I I hope that uh, you participate with us in things like that. I hope songs like that wreck your heart, and I hope that they just create repentance and excitement and joy uh, in the Lord, things that, that, that we should feel more consistently, that I should feel more consistently. So I did want to shout out our Zoom people. I don't know which camera to look at. Boom, 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 boom. Uh, well, I shout out our Zoom people. Thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, if you ever can't make it or for whatever reason, we're running a 9 a.m. Zoom uh, that's live hosted. So there's community available um, for those of you who may be just streaming it on YouTube or for whatever reason can't wake, can't, uh, wake up or can't make it uh, in the morning. Maybe you can't wake up. Maybe that's the problem. Uh, and so I uh, just want to say a shout out to you guys. Thank you for being here. Also, if you're new, We'd love to connect with you. We'd love to help you learn about Jesus or just become a part of what God is doing here. So make sure to grab a gift bag at the table, say hello, fill out a connect card. Uh, We'd love to follow up with you. As a reminder, um, our five o'clock service in the field starts tonight. So especially for those of you streaming it or those of you who just want seconds, you know, on what God is doing today. uh, We have our 9-11 as normal. We're going to run a five o'clock outside in the field uh, for those of you who prefer or feel safer uh, meeting outside. So we're excited to do that at five o'clock and next week our kids ministry starts again every parent said amen and uh, we're excited about that so hey before we jump in uh something happened that was cool yesterday that god does i'm gonna have val erickson donde estas there she is all right val erickson she's gonna come up val erickson is our kids director everybody welcome val Uh, and so we were uh, serving the community with our back-to-school bash yesterday. Uh, Val met a parent, and uh, it was really cool to hear a story about what God did. So why don't you share with us? Yeah, so I'm going to brag a little bit about God. 100 kids, over 100 kids were served yesterday through school Amen. supplies and inviting them into That's our good. new space, which was this so awesome. <clears throat> um, we had so many servant leaders here doing God's work um, in this space. I specifically met a lady at the end of the day um, And my prayer over the day was that families would come for school supplies, but come back because they felt something different. Um, And in this conversation with this woman, God answered that prayer. Um, She has two children, um, one who has tons of medical things that have gone through in her life and is a survivor of many things, and another one who has special needs. And so her life has been back and forth of just many, many needs from many, many people that have been serving her. Um, And she was served through the deliveries at the beginning of the pandemic and she remembers the very first delivery she received where they came to her door brought some food and she was like okay great just someone else helping me this won't actually mean anything um thank you you know and she started talking to me she said you know over all of my years i've been praying and and just really thinking what does it mean to raise my kids as good people i'm trying to get them to be good Mm -hmm. people do the good things be the right um people do all the people around them and i was able to share my testimony with her growing up in the catholic church where it was always working to be good to be good to be good 
um, and was able to share to her, well, no, it's actually not us being good. It's a good God that we have um, that is good enough for us hmm. to be good um, in this world. And so what we were able to share with her is that she um, has been going to Christian churches with her sister, and she has seen the Bible being preached, and she's heard it, and she says it, and she gets it, but she's like, there's something different. I'm going to these churches. I'm not feeling welcomed. I'm not feeling loved. Um, and there's something today when I walk into the space that I have felt. Um, from the moment that delivery happened to the moment I'm standing with you here today, Val, I'm feeling why God mm-hmm. knocked on that door that day. Um, she says she walked into this space yesterday um, in a space where she's usually intimidated, she's shy, where you know people might look different, live different, um, do different things than her, and, and she's normally intimidated by that in other churches that she's walked into. But yesterday she said, Looking in this space, she 100% now understands that we are all children of God. We are all created in the same way. We are all loved in the same way, and we are all meant to be in a space together. And it just totally gave the picture of what City Light is all about. It gave the picture of what God was all about. Um, And to me, it truly gave me a picture of what heaven is going to be like um, with just all of us together communing for the Lord. Um, So we pray and pray and pray that she comes back. Um, we pray that she brings her children into this space, um, and we pray that the Lord just continues to do the work through us um, for families like that that we were able to serve yesterday. Um, and just a testament to what God is doing through all of us. Like, she felt something different in here. She's Amen. gone to other churches where I'm sure, you know, they're preaching the word, they're preaching the Bible, but she came here and she felt it, not just because of the Bible, but because of the Bible living through each and every mm. one of us. Um, so. Amen. Amen. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you, Val. Uh, remember last week we had the construction guy who felt the Holy Spirit in the room. Uh, so uh, now we have a different version of a testimony like that uh, where somebody walks in, they sense the Holy Spirit, um, they feel loved. Uh, that is not something that we can produce. You see what I'm saying? You can't just like be nice enough. I'm sure she goes to places where people are nice. They're not like punching her in the face when she walks in the door. There's something supernatural that's happening where the love of God is being revealed to the heart and they can feel it. You know what I'm saying? It's not just up here and it's not just right here, you know? It's something that's happening right here. And what we can do is set the table for that. That's our job. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And I I want you to, even another part of that story, which I thought was cool, was uh, she was one of our very first deliveries, like in March or whatever, when this whole thing kicked off. Uh, and her initial impression was like, oh, just another group of people coming to help, whatever, no big deal, I won't see them again. And then she saw them next week, and next week, and next week, and next week, da 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 da, and then still seeing them, every, you know. Uh, and so that faithfulness over time uh, proved to build trust, which enabled her to come visit us here and to feel safe. Uh, and then her experience here not only affirmed that, but just catalyzed it uh, for her to say, hey, look, man, this is a place where I, I sense the love of God. Uh, you know, 1 Corinthians 14 talks about a group of people that when they gather together, they, they function in such a way that when some outsider comes in, the outsider says, God is among you. Isn't that interesting? And out, when somebody that's not a part of their church, this 1 Corinthians 14, walks in, they're functioning in such a way and have been doing so over time that it's immediately recognizable that something spiritual is happening. Something of the heart, you know, something unique, something you can't fake, something you can't make, something you can't get anywhere else other than with God's people. 
And so that's what I, I want to give you uh, a taste of with that story um, because it was just cool to hear. And once again, just to encourage you, remember the process, like deliveries over time lead to contact information, back to school event, blessing the children, right? Sharing the gospel, praying with families. See what I'm saying? It all works together. It all works together. And so every little thing uh, we do, or everything that might get tiring or whatever, you're like, we keep doing this over and again. Yes, because it's the steps, and it's creating this whole picture uh, that's creating an environment in which people can experience the love of God, hear about the gospel of God, uh, be cared for by God's people. So uh, this is all very significant. Also, I just want to encourage you, you know, something we, we say a lot uh, in our church is that the goal isn't necessarily outreach, it's partnership. Okay, like, as we serve the community, the goal is not like we're the people with resources and we're the saviors and we walk into a place without resources and we save, you know. That's not what we're doing, right? The goal is to say we're partnering with the community and we're both mutually benefiting from one another uh, based off things that some person might have or not have or whatever and based off God's goodness and blessing uh, for some of us to be in a position where we can give resources instead of needing them. But it's all that to say, we say partnership, partnership, partnership. And we want it, we don't want it to be like we're going down. It's like we're working together to bless the community with all people from all ethnicities, all socioeconomic statuses. It's not just one group serving the other. It's us joining together with our community to bless the community. We're working together. We're partnering, we're partnering, we're partnering. We're not the heroes. We're not, we're partnering, we're partnering. Hey, we say this a lot. Uh, I was encouraged yesterday. Um, I got a text from a leader and she said this. She was a particularly overwhelmed by the event yesterday, and she said, this is the first thing I've been at where the event was equitable. Everyone was coming for the same reason. Not one was serving down to the other. This is very exciting, she said. That, once again, is supernatural. That doesn't just happen. And a part of the reason why that's true yesterday is because we've been talking about it and doing it that way for a year almost now, almost. And so that's the result, right, of all that. And then the lady coming and hearing the gospel and meeting a spiritual need is the result of a delivery that started five months ago. It's boom, boom, boom. So what I want you to see, as we're going to see from the text today, and I see some stories play out in real life, that God's people, our job is to set the table for God to do the supernatural. We set the table for God to do the supernatural. Now, if I need to remind you, right, remember there are three things you can say. Or you could say more, but I'm going to give you three. Amen, preach it, and mm-hmm, okay? So uh, if you missed it last week, spectate, don't participate. Uh, no, just the other way around. Participate, don't spectate. No, we just need to stop for a second and rewind. Participate, don't spectate. I can't see your faces. I need to hear your voices. Talk, you know, all the things, okay? So, uh, Set the table for the supernatural. So that's what we're doing. This is the flow of the text. There's something God has called us to do. And I think part of the reason I was probably so struck by that song is I've been thinking about holiness all week because the text is about holiness and thinking about, the more you think about it, how far you come, you know, (laughs) how short I am from the standard of which God has set. And then how grateful I am that he he made up the difference, you know, that he saved me in spite of myself. It's amazing. The more you think about it, the more thankful you'll be. So the text basically works to say, here's things you do to set up what something God can do, the supernatural. So let's read it together. 2 Timothy 2, 20 through 26. Now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, 
useful to the master of the house, and ready for every good work. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance. This is a supernatural part, leading to a knowledge of the truth. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. So set the table. We're going to break this off into two parts. Set the table for the supernatural. So how do we set the table? That's the first question. What does it look like to get the table ready? All right, you have my little, my little tea party here that we're, we're making, okay? What does it look like uh, to set the table to be ready for God to work? What, do, what is it required of God's people to be ready? So look in verse 21. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he'll be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, comma, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. I want you to connect these two words right now and live by this. Okay, holy and useful. Holiness is usefulness. You should write that down and live your whole life by it. Holiness, right, set apart as holy, which makes them useful. Holy, useful. Holy, useful. Meaning holiness is usefulness. Holiness, hear me, not skillfulness. God could care less how skilled you are at what it is that you do if the character of holiness isn't inside of the action. It doesn't matter. It will get us nowhere, and it will get you nowhere to be good at a skill and not pursuing holiness. And a lot of times, even in Christian circles and ways, our skillfulness can mask our lack of holiness. And only God really ends up being the one who knows whether your work is producing real fruit, you and God. So the first question for you is, are you spending more time building your holiness or your skillfulness? What do you put time and energy to, building your holiness or your skillfulness? Because if you want to be useful, we must be holy. This is a great quote. It's from Robert Murray McShane. Uh, it says, it's not great talents that God blesses so much as likeness to Jesus. This is a good word. A holy minister is an awful weapon in the hand of God. It is not great talents that God blesses. Now, you know why this is so wonderful is because now the playing field is even. And instead of you looking around and saying, well, that person's good at this and that person's good at that, and I wish I had that skill, even for God's kingdom, God says, that doesn't matter. It's not about what the other person or you can or cannot do. The playing field is even, whether you're good at 100 things or two things, whether you're really good, whatever. God says that's not what actually gets the job done. It's character. And that's something we all have access to forming. So instead of us looking left and looking right and wishing we could do that or we could do this or we'd be more effective if we could do that or that, then God says, no, 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 don't worry about that. Look within yourself and build your character. Build your holiness. 
because holiness is what will make usefulness. This is why Paul tells Timothy to cleanse himself from what is dishonorable. Verse 21, cleanse himself from what is dishonorable. Now, I want to create a quick, very quick but important theological caveat, and then we're going to spend the rest of the text letting that bear its weight on us, okay? So the, the quick theological caveat is that the first and most important way to be cleansed is not by what you do, but by what Jesus does. Okay? Only Jesus can save your soul. The Bible says he takes your sin that's stained, your, your life that's stained by sin, and through his work of his death and resurrection on the cross, he makes you white as snow. So he takes your red-stained sin, and he washes it white as snow through his death and resurrection. That's how God cleans you, to make you ready to enter into heaven, because no dirty thing enters into heaven. So now God says, I'm going to do the work, and I'm going to clean you. God gives us this new gift, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. He makes us a new creation. He gives us a new heart. God takes the old and gives something new by his life, death, and resurrection. It is something we cannot accomplish. We cannot earn our way to heaven. We cannot cleanse ourselves. We cannot get to the standard of righteousness and holiness that God requires. It is impossible for us to do that. So there is a truth right there, the theological caveat, that you cannot cleanse yourself in a way that grants you the right position for God to accept you. But I want you to understand two different things. There's positional truth over here. Jesus cleanses you. There's experiential truth over here. Cleanse yourself. See what I'm saying? There's positional truth that'll never change. Jesus is the one who cleanses you to make you acceptable before God. And only Jesus can do that. Then there's experiential truth that says, hey, now, join Jesus in the work that he's doing. Align your life with his purposes to make you clean. Okay? Because God already sees you as he sees Jesus, which is why he can love you so much and so well. It's because you're perfect in God's eyes because of what Jesus has done. He sees Jesus in front of you, you know? But at the same time, we still live on the earth, we still have our flesh, we still fight sin, we still fight the devil, we still fight the world, we still fight ourselves, right? And so we are living to become what we already are proclaimed to be. So positionally, before God, I'm clean because of Jesus. Experientially, now I'm joining Jesus and making me clean so that I can become like him until the day I stand before him and I'm perfectly clean, I don't have to fight anymore. Praise the Lord. No more sin, no more temptation, I'll be good then. And that will be fantastic. But this is the way that these true truths play themselves out. So Paul says, hey, you're already clean in one sense, but, but I need you to cleanse yourself in another sense. So uh, we are becoming what we are proclaimed to be. Now the, the important thing about this is it's about progress right now not perfection, meaning that you will not be perfect tomorrow no matter how hard you try. You will not reach the standard that God accepts. You will not be perfectly clean at any point in time by your own efforts, right? You're, you're constantly going to be fighting sin, always, until you're dead. And the ironic thing is that the greater you grow in holiness, the more aware you are of your sin. So that as you overcome sinful habits, you're more aware of the things you missed before. And you feel more sinful later than you did before, even though you're getting more victory. That's how the Christian life plays itself out. The more I become like Jesus, the more I'm aware that I'm not like Jesus. Right? So this is what it looks like to say I'm already clean because of Jesus. 
by trusting in him. At the same time, God wants me to align myself with that truth and to cleanse myself to become like Jesus. So this is what this whole thing is for. We set the table for God to do the supernatural things, write this down, by submitting our lives to God in ordinary ways. So we set the table for God to do supernatural things by submitting our lives to God in ordinary ways, meaning that every aspect of my life Every thought that I think, every word that I say, every feeling that I feel, everything becomes submitted under the leadership of Jesus in every day and every way. So that I am now ready for the master to use me. It's a very simple analogy that he uses here. This is what, what we have right here, right? You cannot, you can't, you see this right here? All right, these are our two dishes, all right? These are our two options right here. I love it, all right. This one has some coffee in it, okay? Look, there was nothing, right? Okay, now the question is, which one of these dishes is ready to be used? Just go ahead and say it. The clean one. The clean one. Which one of these, this is Paul saying, go ahead and cleanse yourself. Why? Because holiness is usefulness. Which one of these dishes is ready to be used? Now remember, once again, I'm not going to do this. You're clean because of Jesus, but at the same time, we still look and feel like this because of our experience on the earth. And so Paul says, I need you to cleanse yourself because the dish that is clean is the dish that is ready. And so let me ask you, is your table set for God to use your life? Think about it. Experientially, are your dishes clean and ready? Now, not are they perfect, not are you just worked everything out, right progress, not perfection, but are you clean? Are your dishes clean and ready? Are you joining Christ in becoming more like him? Or for some of you, have you even trusted Christ in the first place? Now, this is why this is so important. This is the part of the sermon I just, I was like on a run on Thursday. I just kept thinking about this, this part right here. Becoming like Christ, hear me, builds the altar upon which the fire of God falls down. So the dish has to be, so if I want, if there's guests coming over or whatever, and God wants to use uh, a dish to serve somebody, he's going to look here, and he's going to pick the one that's ready. He's not going to pick, no, no, not going to, he's going to pick the one that's ready, okay, for the moment when it comes, for the opportunity when it arrives. So when I become like Jesus and progressively work to do that, I'm building an altar or cleaning my dish upon which the fire of God can fall down. And so, so often we talk about, hey, we want to see revival. We want to see the world changed around us. We want to see the community flipped upside down and transformed. Man, we want to see lives radically saved. We want to see all of those things. And generally speaking, we talk so much about out there that we forget that the work starts in here. Revival starts with the people of God. Right? Transformation in the community starts with transformation in the church. God has appointed the church to be the means by which he works through. And so now, look at this, 2 Corinthians 69. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, get this, to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro to find the clean dish, pick it up so that he can put something on it and serve somebody. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro looking for a group of people that are honoring and submitted to him. Right? This is what this text is saying and what 2 Timothy is saying. God is looking for a person and a church that is ready for him to work. 
He's looking to and fro. He's looking for a group of people that are generous and not self-indulgent, who aren't selfish but are happy to consider others more significant than themselves. He's looking for a people who aren't obsessed with worldliness, who don't care about material things, who are totally free from the love of the world. He's looking for people who take sexual morality seriously, who flee from it, who fight it, every thought, every word, every action. He's looking for a group of people that take every, every thought captive and submit it under the leadership of Jesus. He's looking for a group of people who love to serve and who love to be amongst the poor and the marginalized. He's looking for a group of people who are quick to assess themselves rather than judging other people. He's looking for a group of people who realize their own sinfulness, a group of people who are constantly repentant, a group of people who are always at the foot of the cross. He's looking for a group of people who are so thankful that God has saved them that are just overwhelmed by the fact that God would do this work in them. He's looking for a thankful people. He's looking for a humble people. He's looking for a teachable people. God is looking to and fro. He's looking for a group of people who truly sense the joy of heaven and the horror of hell. A group of people who live with eternity in mind as if on the precipice every day. He's looking for a group of people who desperately pray. A group of people who are so dependent on God to move. A people who walk by the Spirit. A people who obey his leading and prompting in their life. A people who surrender to the will of the Lord every day and in every way, in things that are seen and unseen. He's looking for a group of people who are sensitive to what God is doing in the lives of those around him. He's looking for a group of people that are not just committed to being religious, but being consumed by their relationship with God. The short of it is, from Mark 8, he's looking for a group of people who will take up their cross and follow him. And God is calling us into that space more and more. God is calling City Light into that space more and more. And he's asking each one of us to begin the work or continue the work of joining him and cleansing ourselves so that we can be ready. As we said before, holiness is usefulness. Holiness is usefulness. Holiness is usefulness. You live your life by this. The clean dish is the one God will use in the moment, when the moment happens. It's the one that's ready. So the question, once again, is, is your table set for God to work in your life, in your home, in your school? Is your table set for God to work in this church? Is your table set for God to work? And is our table set for God to do the supernatural? And I believe it is. I believe the encouraging thing is that God is proving that principle in this church. That he does see a group of people that are dependent on him, a group of people that love him, a group of people that join him in serving the marginalized and the poor around us, a group of people who truly are after the heart of God. I believe he sees that here, and I believe that's why he's working. But the moment we're not like that anymore, his hand turns away. And for us to progress in usefulness, to see God do even more supernatural things, is going to require us to progress in holiness and to continue to work to cleanse ourselves. So, so what does it mean to, what does it look like to be holy? This is what we're going to do with the rest of this passage. 
Uh, Paul basically defines a life of holiness like this. A life of holiness is one that flees from what dishonors God, verse 22, runs towards what pleases God, and then avoids that which distracts from God. So what does it mean for me to be holy and to set the table? Well, it means that I flee from what dishonors God, I run towards what pleases God, I avoid what distracts from God. That's 22 through 24. Think about it, very simple. Okay, football illustration, right? You got the ball, the running back's running. He's fleeing from people behind him trying to tackle him, right? They're running, they're trying to catch him, he's running, okay? He's running towards something. He's not running just to run because he thinks it's fun. He's running to hit the end zone to score the points. And when people get in front of him, what does he do? He goes, right? He jukes them out. He puts a real nice one-two step on. He spin moves or whatever. He avoids them. So think about holiness in your life like this, okay? You got the ball, you're running with Jesus. You're running away from sin, away. Like you're like, no, don't even touch me, okay? You're not even, you're not talking to it. You're not hanging out with it. You're running away from it. You're running towards something. You have a purpose. You're running towards the goal of being with and like Jesus and seeing God work and do amazing things in and through your life. And then along the way, things are going to pop in front of you to try to get you or distract you. You're sidestepping those babies. You're not stopping to hang out with them either. This is what holiness looks like in the Christian life, okay? So flee from what dishonors God. Verse 22, flee youthful passions. Let me give you some scriptures. First Timothy 6, 11, As for you, O man of God, flee these things. Same thing. Colossians 3, 5, and 6, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Ephesians 5, 1 through 4, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you. Some versions will say, let there not even be a hint of that among you, as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, foolish talk, or crude joking which are out of place. Replace those things instead with thanksgiving. Romans 13, 14, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. No provision for the flesh. I just, I want, remember the theological caveat, God's the one who cleanses you. Now, sometimes we'll use that as an escape to not do the work ourselves. So I'm going to say yes and amen to that, and then I want the rest of the text to weigh on us. To like, for real, God is saying, put those things to death. Let there not even be a hint of that among you. And as you hear these phrases, now you're thinking, the more those things exist in us, the less God will do through us, because holiness is usefulness. So now, not only do I have personal motivation to become like Jesus, but I realize that the more I progress and become like Jesus, and the more we do so together, now we have a greater impact in the world around us. So now I have personal and external motivation to do this. He talks about youthful passions. I put youthful passions into three words that say was, okay, what I was, all right? So we're thinking about youthful passions. A lot of you are still youthful. Um, these are three that I thought were probably generally pretty, pretty right. Worldliness, that's number one. Just general worldliness. Just love the world. Love the things in the world. Want to explore the things in the world. Love the world. Not in a good way, right? In the bad way. Okay, love the world. Arrogance. So just pride. I just think I know everything, right? Anybody that has teenagers say amen, all right? Arrogance, okay, that's the second one. There's just something about getting older that lets you know you don't know anything, you know? It's like the, more, the older I get, 
And the more I have to do things like parent children, the more I realize how inadequate I am to function in life and to be a good person at all. You know, it's just like, wow, you know, when I was 17, I thought, hey, I could do anything. You know, I'm 34 now. I'm like, wow, I just really, I don't know. Lord, you know, please do something. You know, I don't know. So there's a sense of arrogance about youthful passions. Uh, And then the last one was just sexual impurity, a lack of restraint, which obviously is true for young and old, but tends to be more true um, in youthfulness. What I was, worldly, arrogant, and sexually impure. Now, the Bible will say in in, uh, 1 Corinthians 6 that you are no longer what you was, what you were, right? But now you have been washed by the blood of Jesus, and you're something new. So you no longer live according to what, I no longer live according to what I was, I live according to what I am. Right? And so now I'm aligning my life under the truth that I'm already clean. So I'm living clean like Jesus. And I'm putting things to death. I'm putting in the word. Remember last week we talked about studying and applying the Bible. Uh, 2 Timothy 2.15, worker, right, is work. Like a farmer, like a soldier, like an athlete. So now you say putting to death sin, making no provision for the flesh. Fleeing from things. This is work. So if we're going to go actually do what God has called us to, we're going to put in the word. Now here's a, here's a little something I, I want to put out there for you. When it talks about fleeing from youthful passions... Is so often our problem is we do this backwards. So it says flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness. And we flee righteousness and we pursue youthful passions. It's backwards. And then we turn around and say, God, you know, do a great work among us, you know. Use my life. But we're fleeing righteousness, running away from that, and we're pursuing youthful passions. And a lot of times, even if we're not fleeing and running, we're just giving too much time. Right? If somebody's trying to kill you, you don't stop and talk to them. You're like, hey, can we talk this out real quick? No. This is what we do to our temptation a lot, is we give it too much time. Well, it's not so bad. Well, what if I did it like this? Does God really care? You know, we're just talking around and around and around. When we already know the answer. The talking is an excuse to give me more time. So here's something for you to write down. This is practical for you. Stop talking to temptation. Turn from it. Stop talking to it. Stop reasoning with it. Stop giving excuses for it. Stop. Stop talking to temptation. I'm talking to myself too. You turn. You stop talking to it. You don't give it any time. No time. You turn. 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 You flee. You run away. Run away. Run away. This is what it looks like to pursue holiness. The second word, pursue. He gives us four things to pursue. Righteousness, which is the standard of what is right set by God. Faith, which are acts of faith. So you pursue the standard, which we've been talking about, and now you pursue acts of faith, like I'm trying to do things for the Lord. I pursue love. Something I like to say a lot is love is reactive, not proactive, meaning that the way we love, the Bible says, we love because he first loved us, so that I cannot love someone else without receiving the love that comes from God. So if I'm going to go pursue love, I first have to receive and sit under the love of God. So that's where it starts. And peace. Peace does not come from being passive. Peace is not a byproduct of just whatever, letting things go or not. Peace is something that is pursued. Peace does not come from being passive. So you pursue these four things. You avoid, he says, foolish controversies. We did half of the sermon was on this last week. Quarrelsome words. Don't waste any time speculating about things. Stop substituting arguing for living. You avoid these things. So somebody tries to come at you, you're like trying to share the gospel, and they're trying to argue with you about some theological principle. You're like, boom, I'm out. Boom, you know, I'm going to go do the work. I'm going to go do the work, okay? So don't distract from the Lord. All right. So for this, this is how we set the table. And then finally you see here for the supernatural. Look at verse 25. We're closing with this. God may perhaps 
grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. Write this down. The goal is to win souls, not arguments. The goal is not to be right. The goal is to win souls. The goal is to see people's lives changed. The truth is right, and we should share it, but the goal is to win the soul. This is why he says, correct with gentleness. Look at verse 26. They may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. So now, here it is. We do all this work on holiness to set the table and to get ready so God can use our clean dish. And we take uh, the dirty things in our lives, right, and we begin to scrub it out, okay? I'm going to clean this up. We scrub it out. We scrub it out. We scrub out this. We say, I'm going to flee from sexual immorality. I'm going to flee. We're doing this. And now we become ready. So now, there's people around us that are literally enslaved by the devil, That's what the Bible says. It's supernatural that they are held captive and they are not operating according to their senses, meaning they need to wake up. They don't even realize they're captured. Maybe some of you in the room are like this right now. You don't even realize that Satan and the world owns you and you're a puppet in their hands to do exactly what they want to destroy the world and to destroy your life. This is exactly what it says. You're doing the will of the devil, which John 10 says is to kill, steal, and destroy. Now, this is what the Bible says. We would never just think that. Now we have to say we submit under what the Bible says. And this is a supernatural. So ain't none of you walking up and trying to find the devil and then capturing people from him. You can't do that. You see what I'm saying? If we're going to make a difference at all, it requires setting people free from captivity to the devil. That is the requirement. You want to make a difference? Yeah, set people free from the devil's captivity. You're like... How am I going to do that? You want to walk out of here and see your workplace changed? Those people that don't know Jesus and those in the room right now that don't know Jesus are held captive by the devil who is stronger than you, smarter than you, has better strategies than you, and knows more about that person than you do. And now the call is for you to go in there and do something? We don't have what it takes. So now we're saying, well, how do you do it then? How do you win souls? How do you see lives transformed? How does the community get flipped upside down? How does that happen? Well, it requires the supernatural, that God may perhaps grant them repentance. Colossians 1, 13 and 14 says that God takes people from the kingdom of darkness, pulls them out, and transfers them to the kingdom of light. That's what God does. And that's what we need God to do. Otherwise, we will do nothing. This church will accomplish nothing. Your life will accomplish nothing apart from God's supernatural empowerment to do what only God can do. And so now, that's what gives us the emphasis to say, man, is the table set? Is City Light ready? Is your life ready? Is the dish ready? Are you working? Are you cleansing yourself? Are you joining God in holiness? Because holiness is usefulness. What's required of you is supernatural, and you can't do it. So now, what's required of City Light is something we can't accomplish. So we say, well, what are we going to do? We're going to follow the way of the scriptures, and we're going to make the dish ready. God's going to bring the ingredients. God's going to serve the people, and God's going to make it happen. All you need is a clean dish. Isn't this great? How much easier is this than cooking a meal? All right, feeding four children uh, three times a day is quite an experience, okay? It's just quite an experience, you know? And especially if you want to feed them healthy, you know, and you got to, like, cook all this stuff. It just lasts. I, I, like, grilled chicken, made some broccoli and stuff. It took, like, 30 minutes, you know? And they're all right. I'm like, I, I wanted this done, like, literally 29 minutes ago. I wanted one minute of work to do this, you know? This is a lot easier. I go in the cabinet, I pick this up, and I'm like, boom, it's good. And so often, we're trying to cook the meal and do all the ingredients and do all the thing and order from the, no, 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 no. And God's like, no, that's me. I need you to take your dish and just do this. 
just, you know, this is your job. God cooks the food, God brings the food, God serves the food, God saves the people. This is your job. And you've traded jobs with God, and we've tried to save the world. He's like, no, I want you to work on yourself. Because it starts with you. And if you'll work on you, God will work through you. See what I'm saying? This is very important. Does anybody in here want anything to happen in this community? We want, revi- we want like life change. You want people to be like completely, just change, just change. This is what we have to do. Okay. So to close this out, I'm going to give you a picture, right? When I was growing up, uh, my mom would make me clean my room, you know, which was really annoying and things that you don't want to do. And she would make me clean the house and all those things, you know. And now my wife appreciates it, you know, that's good. So, but when I was growing up, what I would tell my mom a lot when we were doing a lot of work cleaning the house, I would say something like this, and I'm sure a lot of you had said something like this to your mom. I said, it's not like the president's coming over, you know? Like, what are we doing, you know? The house looks fine, you know? The president's not coming over. Why are you acting like it's such a big deal? Nobody's coming over today. Who are we cleaning it for? What is happening, you know? Why am I doing all this work, you know? It's not like the president's coming over, you know? And that never went well for me, all right? I'll just leave it at that. Just don't say that to your mom. That was not smart. It's not like the president's coming over. And that took away my motivation to clean. Now, when you flip it around, and if you lived every day as if the president was coming over, if you lived every day as if you wanted to be ready, just in case, If you lived every day as if somebody important may visit your house, as if some great opportunity might come that day, if you lived every day like that, you'd happily clean the house. Man, I'd be scrubbing everything. If I thought something important was going to happen that I cared about, I'd be working it, working it, working it. So now, hear me, hear me, hear me. We have to live every day like there is a supernatural thing God wants to do that day. He wants to do it in your life. He wants to do it in your home. He wants to do it in your workplace. He wants to do it in this church. He wants to do it in Falls Church. He wants to do it in the schools. He wants to do it in the DMV. He wants to do it across the world. And if we wake up and we live every day like something important might happen, like somebody might come that we need to be ready for, now we go to the work and we clean up. And we flee from sexual immorality. And we honor the Lord in everything that we do. And we pursue holiness and righteousness. And we put to death the deeds of the flesh. Because something might happen that I need to be ready for. And if I haven't done that, God's going to look at my dish, pass it over, and find another one. He's going to find one that's clean, one that's ready to be a part of the supernatural work of God. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. And we honor you. God, this is uh, not necessarily a cheery thought or the most encouraging uh, message, Lord, but it's true to your scriptures. I pray that you would help us, Lord, help us take seriously holiness. Would you use this church to do supernatural things? We thank you, Lord, for the grace of Jesus that works in our weakness. We thank you, Lord, for your grace that works even though we're not perfectly clean all the time. We thank you, Lord, that you have made us perfectly clean by the work of Jesus. We thank you that all those things are true and that we're not burdened by your commands or any of that. We thank you that you have done everything necessary for us. We live under that. And now, God, in light of that, give us the energy, the focus, the effort to go cleanse ourselves, to join you in what you're doing in our life. Help us to take the weightiness of the text, to let it bear down on us, for us to look up to you for help and for you to help us, God, become more like you.
Make this a holy church, Lord, so you can do supernatural things. We're setting the table, Lord, and once you do the supernatural. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.